Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, we hear from Kristen Birchenall and Peter Gad as they wrap up our series, Getting Closer. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Eastlake. My name is Peter. Good to see everybody, at least virtually online. Uh, today, we get to wrap up our series, and we're going to do it in a little bit of a different format. I am joined today by my friend, Kristen Birch and all, and we're going to have a conversation on the topic of trust. We've been in this series called Getting Closer, and the series has been relationship-focused, kind of every relationship. How do we navigate relationships with family, with work, uh, partnerships, every relationship that you can imagine. We've been trying to do kind of a broad take on what are the habits and skills, virtues that we need to have in order to have healthy relationships. I think we all want that. Everybody in life wants meaningful relationships, healthy relationships. And so we've been going through a number of different topics. Hopefully you've been following around or following along. Um, we've talked about humility and vulnerability, empathy. Last week was kindness. And today we're wrapping up with the topic of trust. And we thought we'd kind of change up the format a little bit rather than just one of us talking at a camera the whole time. We'll have a discussion and I go back and forth and Kristen and I will argue about trust and whether or not <laughs> whether or not we even trust each other right <laughs> I will I do, do think, feel Kristen? like I do feel like I need to say that I when Jason kicked off with humility um I hope mm-hmm. you guys listened to that it was a while back but uh he talked about dancing and how that's a thing and I just felt like I need to tell all these like that back in our staff retreat days we had like a dance off <laughs> competition with I think it was Nintendo Wii Peter, I don't think you participated mm. in this. I don't know if you remember. This doesn't sound like my thing, got to be honest. I think I disappeared. <laughs> I wasn't around for this one. <laughs> but we did like a dance off, and at the end, it was me and Jason, and I beat Jason. Mm. So I just feel like I need to you, say you that because yeah. he talked about um, his, his, dance, skills. his dance skills and some. Well, that's kind of why we wanted to end with you being able to wrap up the series because we kind of ranked it based on dance skills. And so I think it's important that you bring that up. Um, That's awesome. I I don't think I was maybe even around for that story and I've been around a while. So that's fun. Talking about trust, KB. What do you think about trust? Do you think trust is important? Yeah, I think it's a good one too. Well, actually, Jason and I had a conversation where he said, I thought you guys would be kicking off with trust since trust is like the most foundational sort of virtue yeah. in our conversation. We were talking about the different things we're going to be sharing with Eastlake. And so I think it's, um, whether we kick off with it or end with it, I think yeah. there is something about trust that is very foundational to yeah. relationships. Like when I think about the things that we have talked about so far in this series, um, I think about how in all of my relationships, those virtues definitely benefit 
all of my relationships. They're, they're stronger, they're better when I am kind, when there's humility and vulnerability yeah. and empathy and all those things. But those relationships can also still exist. And there's bumps along the road. Like I'm unkind to <laughs> my husband more than I would like to say. And it's not um, something that is like shaking our relationship mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Um, we can exist in relationships and lack, you know, vulnerability or humility mm -hmm. um, almost daily. And the relationships still function, maybe not to their best, you know, highest capability yeah. but without trust if you don't have trust in a relationship it seems so foundational like i'm not sure it actually is a relationship mm. if there's not the foundation of um, this confidence that i want good for you and you want good for me yeah no, I 100% agree. It's, it is and even thinking of trust as a as a virtue or a quality of a relationship um a habit it's it's it feels a little bit different, um, meaning I'm not, the habit of trust is is kind of an odd way to frame it. I wouldn't frame it that way where I could frame, you know, I want to get into the habit of being more vulnerable or I want to develop some of those skills. Um, trust is kind of the bedrock for any relationship. Um, as we were kind of prepping, there, there's a couple quotes. One is from an author I really like, Mark Manson. And he, in his book, uh, one of my favorites, The Subtle Art, I won't go into the details of all of the, the title because there's a swear word in it. <laughs> children watching, I'm sure. Um, but he quote, one of his quotes is that trust is the most important ingredient in any relationship for the simple reason that without trust, the relationship doesn't actually mean anything. A person could tell you that she loves you, wants to be with you, would give up everything for you. But if you don't trust her, there's no benefit from those statements. You don't feel loved until the trust until you trust that the love being expressed towards you comes without conditions or baggage. So that's what you're saying, right? That as we wrap, we're kind of wrapping with the most foundational critical element of a healthy relationship, which is trust. Um, it's mission critical. You have to have it. And if you don't have it or one person has it and the other person doesn't, that relationship isn't real, right? They're having, you're having a relationship with a, a charade or some kind of facade. Right. So what do you think, like, what is your definition of trust? Well, I, I didn't write one. Um, I don't, I don't I know write on my own. Uh, I know I, you did I did, I did look it up. <laughs> I looked it up. Um, and I, the one I liked the most was the firm belief in the reliability, truth, or strength of something or someone. So if I have trust in an idea, I would, I would believe that that idea is true, that that idea is um, scalable, meaning it works not just for me in, in 2021, it also works for my daughter in 2047 or somebody who lives in a different culture a thousand years ago. Something that's true um, is something that transcends time at some level for me and is trust, a trustworthy idea. And as a person, it's someone that I can rely on, someone that when that they are who they tell me they are and they, they with me and without me there, right? That's kind of my general idea is, is something that is, I guess that's a, that's a long winded way. So the, the short concise would be a firm belief in the reliability of something. Yeah. How about you? What's your take on it? Yeah. When I wrote things down, I reliability was definitely in there. This it's just kind of, for me, the idea of dependability, reliability, um, that, for me, I think it's just a proof. There's something proven about it yeah. for trust. Yeah. Um, that 
I am trustworthy when I do what I say I will do and I'm there when I say I will be there and I am who I say will, I will be and all of those things and someone does that in return. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of parenting a little bit. My kids, um, I would say I'm, thought, I'm trying to develop trust. I have some trust in my a relationship foundation built on trust with some of my children more than others. Um, my daughter, Tess, just turned nine and the other day um it's been beautiful out recently and we have a water table in our backyard we have some we have a hose unfortunately they like to play with some of the, the hoses and things that i have out there it usually pushes my buttons and on that particular day i gave instructions it's not a water day guys feel play with anything you want but we're not doing water today and i think it was one of those i'm in charge of all the kids days and i, I didn't have the, the emotional bandwidth to deal with water and my kids Anyways, water's rough. Anyways, I said no water and I go out there and Tess is like secretly like behind a bush pouring a bucket of water out. And I said, Tess, didn't we talk about this? And I wasn't smiling and laughing. Um, It was like, Tess, we talked about this, right? I I gave you instructions that we're not doing water today. And she's like, I don't remember you saying that. You're right. I lied. You definitely told me that. It's like the immediate response. (laughs) Instantaneous. She was like, I lied. (laughs) The second she said, you didn't say that. And it was so cute. And it actually was like, yeah, that's the kind of kid she is. She doesn't lie. And when she does, she feels so terrible immediately. She has like this conflict or the software that's running in her brain, like won't allow that to run through. And so I trust her and she has a lot more freedom. And then conversely, or like to compare and contrast, my son Joel is is currently, I would label him at his core, a liar. Um, his identity is that of a lying human. Just kidding. He's adorable. And he's, he's testing boundaries, he's obviously. Um, he's so sweet and but he's the kind of kid that consistently like tries to spin and and the truth and has to tell lie after lie after lie to come up with like the logical fallacies in his argument so anyways the other day he's trying to convince me that this patch of boogers that i found on the wall that maybe mom did it right that maybe mom was the reason why those were there not him and i'm like i just don't know but i don't know if I don't know if that doesn't sound like mom. I've known her a long time and I'm just not sure, right? So I'm trying to like walk him through like you're not tricking me. But anyways, if you think about our relationship, like when I'm lied to um, consistently, that just changes foundationally like how we interact too. And there's more freedom in my relationship with my daughter because she just doesn't ever lie. And and when she does, she feels so terrible. She tells me versus my relationship with my son currently. So it's it's critical. (laughs) It's it's hard to trust when when some of that trust is broken. (laughs) I love Joel so much Um, (laughs) and Tess too and all your kids. But when (laughs) I was thinking about trust and talking to Andy, my husband about it, and I was like, can I share that story of when we were first married? So it was within like one year of getting married. Um, We were living in our house together and he came home from work one day. He is a general contractor and he came home with an, a new truck and it was old. It was like an old Ford that he was going to work <laughs> on. And he said the guy that he was building, doing the job for, um, traded him the truck for hours. And I was like, okay, that's fine. If that's what you want to do. <laughs> and he was super excited about this truck. And I was like, great. And then Shortly after that, he started just acting so strangely, just weird pacing around the house, (laughs) like rubbing his head. He was talking funny. And I was like, what is going on with you? You're being weird. So I was like, I'm going to go to bed 
And I literally had the light off for maybe one minute and he comes in and he was like, I didn't tell you the truth. I also paid him a little bit of money for the trick. <laughs> I have to get this off my chest. He's like, Tess, he, then. <laughs> he's like, Tess. And I, I, at the time, I was like, oh, it's okay. Thank you for telling me. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, but I look back on that and I'm like, it actually was a really big deal because the first to learn in the first year of marriage, my husband physically cannot lie to me. He just like... <laughs> Same he has Tess. a few tells. He, he like, he was like a different person. Yeah. That was a good thing for me to learn and to see. And I think yeah. for him, he learned that he doesn't need to hide things from me. Like I'm not going to overreact on things, hopefully. And so it was just kind of this funny story with this old Ford truck. Trucks is a thing yeah. in our, in our marriage. Is, yeah. You, there's um, been a few trucks that have tested your relationship. Yes. <laughs> that one in particular didn't really because, and it could have. Um, yeah. But it was just good for me to learn, like, oh, this is what happens when my husband lies. And it is, like, instant yeah. un- uncomfortableness. So that was good for me to learn. And I don't yeah. think we've had any sort of interaction like that since, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. But what you learned, I think the result of that experience, right, create, it, it built trust, right? Because when you, when you do lie, which we have times we spin or we're embarrassed about something and we tell a, tell a version of a story that's a half-truth. We've all been there. Um, and you kind of come clean. That actually is a trust builder because um, as opposed to getting caught in it, that's different than if you'd said, hey, I noticed. Like if, you'd, if you'd have chased him down two weeks later and been like, hey, I saw a transfer of money too. Like, did I miss something there? That just, that is, that's foundationally yeah. a different dynamic in your relationship. Yep. Yeah, I think when I was looking at... Um some of the definitions of trust, I think the word that stood out to me the most was confidence mm. and that um, the idea that trust is built over time and it's a building confidence in that relationship. Um, and so I've just been thinking a lot of that about the confidence that I have within certain relationships in my life is different and even how that plays into how I am in those relationships. Like the relationships that I have the most confidence in, the most trust built are obviously like my marriage, my family, my friends who've been around for a really long time or who have stuck by during hard times. I'm different in those relationships because of that confidence and because of Mm -hmm. that trust that's been built. So um, I think when I think about confidence and trust, I think it can only just be built over time. And it's a proven, yeah. it's a proven characteristic and you can only yeah. prove things, um, over time. Yeah. Yeah. I've been telling Remind people, me. Oh, go ahead. You should tell me, you should do your, you're going to talk about the, my octopus. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, good. Um, there, there was a quote though, that you, you just kind of triggered in my brain. It's kind of corporate cliche, but it actually is true. It's the idea of, one of the guys said, um, where I work, trust is built in, it's built in drops, but it's broken in buckets. This idea of it takes a long time to build it and it can, it can be broken really quickly, but you're never going to build it, um, in a really short period of time, which feels similar to what you're saying. Yeah. Well, um, I was telling Peter, I watched this documentary, my octopus teacher, um, which I think won. Did it win an award? Did it win an Oscar? An award nominated, that, I think, at least. Nominated for um, documentary. If you haven't seen it, um, I think you should watch it. Peter, did you get a chance to watch it? 
I haven't seen it yet. <gasps> I told you. Okay. Um, so <laughs> if you haven't watched it, it's this story about a man who goes, he's in South Africa and he goes diving and comes across this, this little octopus and I'll make a, I'm not going to tell you the documentary, but he, um, decides to see what would happen if he goes there every single day. So he goes to see this octopus every day for a year. And um, I was, it's just a really moving thing to watch yeah. because um, there's no reason for an animal to trust a human. Um, and they talk mm. about, he talks about how, you know, over millions of years of evolution, this octopus yeah. has learned to be suspicious, to be protective, to, it yeah. has learned that most things are out to try to get it. And that by him going every day, you watch this, like they, it's, my husband was like, this is fascinating, but also a little bit weird. It is a little bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> but he forms a relationship with this mm. octopus. They, I don't, I don't know if I would call it friends, but <clears throat> by going... There's some level of trust, though. There's some level of trust that is built. And he says, at one point, she realizes this human is not dangerous. And the boundaries between her and I seemed to dissolve. Hmm. Um, and it's fascinating to watch. And um, I recommend you do. And even there's a point... At, um, closer to the end where she actually, <laughs> this is my interpretation of what I've saw. She actually like gives him a hug. She goes and like rests on his body and he like puts his hand on her, an octopus. It is unreal. Anyways, but that comment about the boundaries between us that seemed to dissolve. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I was thinking about how this octopus is naturally um, wired to be suspicious yeah. and to really need yeah. to like earn, have trust earned. And so I was curious, Peter, do you, when I think about trust and boundaries, like if we were talking about boundaries for yeah. a little bit, yeah, I want to say like, do you think most people that I don't know that we can speak for most people, maybe we should just speak right. for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. um, how, are you naturally trusting or naturally distrusting like in a, with a new person? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think I was even reflecting on that question in light of like current times, like COVID or current times when, as it relates to, you know, social media age and <laughs> the, a very politically charged um, time to be, a, I think, an American. Um, I would say naturally I've been pretty trusting. And I think a lot of that comes from having um, some you know, family dynamic that was pretty positive. Um, adults in general seemed to be trustworthy. I think the older I've gotten, the less I've, I, I sometimes think I've been over-trusting and I, I, I want to believe the best about people and I want to expect um, that people are trustworthy um, because I think that makes me feel better about the world and it makes me feel better about the place I'm raising kids in. I just want to assume that's true. Um, but I would say it's, I've grown less, I've grown more suspicious, I think, as I've aged. And I, I don't know if that's a, a good thing. That could be kind of a bad thing. But in general, I'd say I'm pretty trusting of people. Um, how about you? What do you think? What's your, which way do you lean? <laughs> I was remembering, I think it was 
someone at East Lake Ryan maybe that was like, anytime someone says, I think most people are this, they're really talking about themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like so, me, of course. Well, or just saying like, I feel like most people are really not trusting is probably me just saying, I'm just not very trusting right away. Yeah. Um, and for me, I feel like trust definitely has to be proven, which is interesting because I see it in my daughter too. Like she is mm. highly suspicious. <laughs> highly be, uh, yeah, wait. suspicious. Her boundaries are really strong and really high for a long time. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that's DNA passed to her. She hasn't had any yeah. sort of like traumatizing experience. And I, you know, I've had the regular human experiences of trust, yeah. you know, vacillating but i think i'm naturally distrusting and yeah. um it's been interesting like we we moved not very far from seattle to bothell but i'm in this new stage of like my kids are going to school and i'm meeting i'm meeting new people and it's weird to mm. meet and make new friends when you're in your 40s like that yeah i have friends that i've had since i was four years old but to meet new people and to form friendships it's weird to be like ooh, like do I, do I trust this person? Is she yeah. like, how do I learn yeah. whether these new people that I'm interacting with um, are trustworthy and are, you know, worth the investment? And um, it's just been an interesting time for me to kind of be like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty suspicious right away yeah. <laughs> when it's not yeah. even warranted. Um, but, and also learning to kind of like, let those boundaries fall after people show that they are kind and they are right. interesting and they are warm and they are, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think like that's something that I want to probably, I think believing the best is um, of a stranger is probably something I'm not very good at. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Kristen. Just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in. I hope that you're finding these messages helpful for you in your everyday life. Um, that's what we're trying to do here is gather around the idea that life is a gift and love is the point and let's give ourselves ways to move forward in that in our own everyday world. Um, so I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for being a part of this community. To those of you who have participated and given financially, we wanna say thank you to you. Everything that we do here happens because people make contributions. People say, I value this place. I want it to exist for me and for other people. And so I'm going to support it. And so we just want to say how grateful we are um, that you do that. And for those of you who maybe haven't had a chance to contribute yet, um, we would ask you to consider maybe doing so. If you find this place beneficial, if you find these messages helpful for you, then um, consider joining us in that way. You can go to eastlakecc.com to make a contribution. Um, and we just always are thankful for the people who want this place to exist. So thanks again for tuning in. Let's get back to the message. I don't even think the point of this conversation is to tell everybody like you should be super like believing that you should trust everybody all the time. Right? That's certainly <laughs> not the point. Uh, so I think those boundaries are critical. Um, one of my kind of reflections and as I was kind of thinking through like, what are my, what's my summary or what are my um, takeaways from even this reflection on trust is that at some point in every relationship, we either like move towards trust and a generous explanation of somebody, a generous, giving people the benefit of the doubt or we move towards boundaries uh, because there's been enough evidence to, to make me feel like you need to prove it a little bit longer um, or, or, or our relationship dynamic has changed. So I think, 
I think it's one way or the other and every relationship is going to, to dictate that. But I was, I was thinking on that question of do we naturally trust um, or am I naturally suspicious? And I think COVID adds an interesting layer on top of that too, because not only do I have to trust like, are they a good person? Do they have values that are similarly aligned? Are they kind? But then I have to like navigate, like it feels like there's an immediate like, are, are you navigating COVID the same way? And there's like a hundred different ways to navigate COVID. And mm-hmm. do you um, go to restaurants? Right. Do you go? To, yeah, exactly. Are you and, wearing masks? But are you wearing masks? And um, how? Like, are you? Right, all the all the things that come up. Um, and and the point of this talk is not to try to encourage everybody that I, I I don't want to go down that rabbit hole as much as I think it adds another layer of suspicion. It creates another barrier to relationship, right? Um, I think about that with my work relationships. There's like, I, I lead a team and I, because of remote life, like I just talk to my team less than I would if we were just in an office environment, we could swing by the desk. And so it's, I can find myself being more suspicious or they can be more su- suspicious, right? When I'm unavailable for an hour or something, it's just harder to interact when yeah. um, there's another layer of complexity. And I think COVID just makes, um, it creates more opportunity for suspicion, which I think ultimately hurts it hurts relationship it, it makes relationship harder so i think that kind of leads into maybe like what's what, what are we wanting or what are we hoping like how for for people who are listening and i think a question that just came to my mind is how do we build that like what what types of habits or skills mindsets do we need to embrace in order to foster trust and i think the first one that um kind of came to mind for me is it, it kind of comes back to a principle that i have held on to pretty tightly over the last couple years and it's the principle of i need to take 100 percent responsibility for everything in my life um i think i've talked um to you about this kristen a hundred yeah. times but i'm not sure if i've shared this too much at east like just this, this principle that says i'm not uh, responsible for everything that's happened to me but i am responsible for my response to those things and like how do i live my life in response to the circumstances that the, the, the deck of cards that i've been dealt and the choices i've made i'm responsible for those and so I think if we want to have relationships that have foundations that are built on trust, if I'm taking responsibility for having a trust, uh, trust be kind of in my relationships, I think it starts with being trustworthy. I think we have to own our side of the coin. Um, and I think in order to be trustworthy, um, like ultimately I'm saying like you can't like expect other people to be the <laughs> their it's it's everybody else they're in charge of fostering trust with me. Like, I think if that's our posture, that that's probably not going to create um, the, the best outcome for us. I think at minimum, we need to say, I want to own being a person that's trustworthy and I'm going to live in a way that fosters trust in all my relationships. I'm going to start with that. I can't control everybody and whether they're going to respond similarly, but it starts with me being somebody that can be trusted. I need to be a person of integrity. I need to have character. I'm going to say what I do. And when I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. That seems to be foundational for me. Would you, do you push back there? Do you, do you agree? Do you think there's yeah. more to it? No, I, of course I agree. I think taking responsibility and being the kind of person that you want people to be, um, yeah. being trustworthy starts the foundation, I think. I was um, another thing from my octopus teacher. Um, yes. He, I wrote this down. He said, when you go to the same place every day, that's when you notice the differences, the smallest things that you wouldn't have noticed or seen before. Mm. Um, and I was just thinking how, um, how much trust is built over time. Um, 
not just because of someone showing up for you, but because over time they get to know all of you. They get to know more of you mm -hmm. and then all of you. And then I feel like that's a big element of trust for me is that it's not just Peter that you have shown up in my life as a friend for 10 years, but it's that over you, over that time of you showing up for 10 years as a friend, you have seen a lot of me and yeah. you have kept showing up. And um, so I think part of that big trust is that not just that you show up over time, but because of your reliability over time, you've seen me struggle. You've seen the yeah. hard things about me. You've learned about the things that I'm not good at. You've seen yeah. me in bad situations or performing badly <laughs> or making mistakes. Days, yes. yes. And that's part of the showing up um, that builds trust is that you see parts of me that other people who aren't showing up don't see. And then when you come back, I learn to trust. Like I trust mm -hmm. um, that you're still going to be there because you've already seen me in difficult spaces and I've still chosen yeah. to be there. And I think that's part of the investment over time um, that happens is that you can't, you can't invest over time and just see one side of someone. Um, right. You see the nuances, you see the different parts of their life and trust is built when you see that and you you keep coming back yeah i think that's critical um, in terms of fostering trust i think to be so it takes time in order to have like to experience people you know in their maybe less than polished states right like when you're casual friends or you know like the the so the instagram version of kristen is pretty easy to trust right she's like and i'm not saying you're a social media personality i'm more saying like the like that we the what the version of us that we like extend to the, the public eye is like a great parent and they're super good at their job and they're engaged um all sorts of important social issues they're never stressed they're never having bad days they never lose their mind when they yell at their kids um right they're like they're really that person is i think easier to um trust at least externally as you get to see somebody's flaws and challenges in their bad days and if, some, if, if you're in a relationship with somebody and they're showing you more and more of who they are and you can still like have a trust-based relationship through those challenges, that's a, just another layer. That's a much deeper level of trust that you can have with someone. Yeah. But it takes time to get there. For sure. Yeah. I think that's why when trust is broken, it's such a big deal. And I want to talk yeah. a little bit about that of like in our, in all of our relationships, we're going to have gaps. We're going to have yeah. break, breaks in trust, some more difficult than others. And what do you do in that? Yeah. Because I think we have to acknowledge we are imperfect people. Yeah. So we're going to make mistakes in all of our relationships. And so what happens then? And I think part of, part of why trust, broken trust is so, so difficult versus a broken, like a moment of unkindness. Um, mm. Is that because once you've formed that trusting relationship where you see me and you've seen, you know, most of me and I know that you're still there and then something happens to break that, it's very exposing. Like you when trust is broken, it's a moment of like exposure and a feeling of being very unsafe mm. and um, 
for me, that's what I was thinking about. Why is it so hard when someone you trust breaks that? And it's because of that feeling of you have let someone in, they've seen so much of you, and then there's this like exposure of their yeah. that wasn't who they were for that moment. So um, I think or you were, you were, yeah, you were vulnerable to go to pull, um, you know, to go back to Kyle's talk to, you were vulnerable in sharing who you were with somebody else. And then you realized that they weren't being vulnerable in return, right? They were only sharing a portion or what they shared with you was a lie. And like that is so revealing or that is so, um, like you said, expo exposure in a, in a painful way. Um, that it can be really hard to repair that. I just think people, everyone wants to feel safe yep. and accepted. And I think the world is very unpredictable and volatile. Like life is just, is so unpredictable that trusting relationships are really key for moving through that. Having yeah. something that is predictable, something that is safe helps us as we navigate through something that doesn't feel that way. And so yeah. those relationships are really important and foundational. And when something happens um, to break that, it's a problem. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's kind of comes back a little bit to, I think there's kind of maybe two sections of relationships. Maybe this is an oversimplification, but there's relationships where in general, there's like a foundation of some trust. And then there's relationships where I'm not sure if that foundation's there. Like that's like the most like simplified version of it. And I think, as you're kind of highlighting, right, when there's been some level of I've experienced with this person or I have enough experience circumstances in the past where it makes it hard for us to trust or we're trying to rebuild trust, right? We're trying to reform trust because there's been these gaps. Um, I think that kind of feels like a different section of like, it feels very personal. I don't have a lot of recommendations for what you should do in those situations because I think you have two choices. You can keep trusting and trying to rebuild trust because if you don't have it, it there's no relationship or you can set boundaries and decide what, like redefine like what kind of relationship we're going to have. I, I think for, from like most of our relationships, like if you think about it, if you're in a partnership with somebody or in your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your boss, my hunch is that if you're in like day-to-day -day grind of that relationship, there's probably some level of foundational trust there. There's probably not daily suspicion of like, we don't even have any relationship. I think for the most part, like, we have most people would have a relationship that has some level of trust that's built in there. And I think one principle that I came across a decade ago that I found helpful is this principle of believing the best. Um, and I think it applies more to those relationships where there is some foundational trust. Um, because I think if somebody's broken trust consistently, like I'm not saying you should believe the best. I think you should probably, <laughs> you should probably be suspicious if they've, if they've shown themselves to be uh, suspicious, uh, having suspicious choices. But as I'm at, if I think about my relationship with my wife or my relationship with my kids, my friendship with you, Kristen, the, the principle of believe the best says that when there's a gap between what I expect and what I experience, meaning Kristen said she's going to show up to this meeting at, you know, 10 a.m., and I haven't heard from her and it's now 10, 10 and it's 10, 15 and it's 10, 30. And I haven't heard from Kristen. I have two choices what I can do with that little 30 minute window. I can either say in that 30 minute window, like Kristen always does this. Kristen's the worst. Kristen doesn't prioritize our friendship. Kristen is the type of person that she's, she's, I mean, she's done this before. She's going to do it again. Right. I knew it. I knew she was going to be there. I can fill that gap with lots of suspicion or I can fill that gap with believing the best, some kind of generous explanation of what's going on. I wonder if Kristen's okay. 
Kristen isn't normally like this. Kristen's a pretty responsible person. She also has a lot of things on her plate. Maybe something came up. And filling that, filling that gap with generosity or filling that gap with suspicion are kind of our two, we have a fork in the road moment. And what the principle of Believe the Best says is that you should, in most instances, you should fill that gap with generosity. Um, one, it makes your day better because you if you're going to live grumpy and live uh, <laughs> suspicious, like as you mentioned a minute ago, life is filled with gaps, right? Our whole, like every single day is, is an opportunity for a gap to, I expected this and this happened, right? Um, life is always lower than our expectations uh, for the most part. Um, and so I think we have all these opportunities daily with our partners or with our bosses or with our, our coworkers or teammates kids where we either need to fill that gap with suspicion or trust with generous a generous explanation of what's going on and i found that principle to be helpful um so i think uh, let me let me go through some of the commitments the first one is when there's a gap um i'm going to commit to believing the best um another one is when other people assume the worst about you i'm going to come to your defense so if like me and Brittany are waiting on kirsten at 10 a.m and and um and i'm like uh, well kirsten's late again you know maybe she doesn't even like me uh, Brittany would come to your defense by saying, well, maybe something else is going on. I wonder if like, maybe she's, maybe she's got two kids and she's married to Andy. Maybe it's Andy's fault, right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But it would be an example of coming to Kristen's defense, like coming, helping brainstorm a generous explanation. Um, another one is a third, the third principle is if, if what I experience begins to erode my trust, I'll come directly to you. So rather than me, um, you know, whining to my boss or my my peers about my boss, I go directly to the person that I feel like has created a gap, as opposed to just gossiping. We we often would much rather prefer to indirectly confront people by never talking to them and just whining to other people. Um, and I think the last two are just kind of about um, that being trustworthy again. When I'm going to create a gap, I will tell you in advance. So hey, Kristen, I'm going to be late. That that builds a ton of trust. And then the last one is when you confront me about the gaps I've created, I'll tell you the truth. So if you think about the Andy story, um, Andy did number four, right? When I create a gap, like, hey, rather than like get caught in a lie, I'm just going to say it. Hey, Kristen, I, I, for some reason I've told you I traded the truck, but I also paid some money for it. I just want to like, I want to address this gap that I, I created. Um, and then, uh, you know, number five, when you confront me about the gaps I've created, I'll tell you the truth. So if he hadn't done it and you had confronted him and said, hey, Andy, I saw that you paid some money for that, he'd have, he would have told you the truth rather than keep spinning and telling you that, you know, somebody, I don't know, I don't know what happened there, right? So those trust commitments are ones that I came across a decade ago, and I just find them helpful. I think those are the types of principles that if we start to do those regularly, we will see trust more in our relationships. I don't think you can always control that because there's lots of people involved. Um, but those are things that I feel like we can own. Yeah. I love those. I think those are things that we've talked a long time about at Eastlake with staff believing the best mm -hmm. and um, trying to tell people ahead of time, all of those things. We just really had an environment there that built, mm -hmm. it fostered trust. So we love those. I think um, one of the things I spent some time listening podcasts and reading about was um, when you are on the end of being the one who has broken trust, um, mm. how do you kind of, what do you do? And um, the thing that I read multiple times and spent time thinking about was that um, one of the keys to restoring trust when it's been broken is that it needs to come rather quickly. Because any sort of delay 
in acknowledging a breach of trust erodes anything else that is left. And not that it can be repaired overnight, but a, a quick demonstration of, oh, I was wrong and I want repair is so important in taking steps forward to see if it can be repaired. Is that acknowledgement pretty quickly of mm-hmm. that was wrong. That's not what I want this relationship to be like. And I want to repair and move forward. And I listened to this podcast, a Brene Brown podcast yes. with um, Harriet Lerner about heartfelt apologies. And this wasn't really about trust. I was just listening to it because I love, I love Brene yeah. and her yeah. <laughs> podcast. Um, and also, I'm not very good at apologizing, so I was trying to find something helpful for me. Who is? Like, who's just uh, so good at apologizing? <laughs> well, I'm sure they're out there, but it's not me. Yeah. Um, but as I was listening, I, I was kind of thinking about this message that we're recording about how it really does foster trust if you can be a heartfelt apologizer. Um mm. And she talks about, Harriet Learn talked about heartfelt apologies that happen quickly, what those do. And um, she said it helps the person more quickly let go of resentment and anger um, and dwelling on it. Because if not, if it's not done quickly, then there is the added broken trust of how are they not seeing this? How is this not yeah. a big deal to them? Um And then the second thing that a quick heartfelt apology does is it creates emotional safety, which is Mm. what a broken, what broken trust erodes, that whole feeling of like, I'm unsafe. Um, And then the third thing she says is that it validates the hurt person's sense of reality, sense of reality. Um, Because so much of broken trust is in this, like, what really happened? Was this the intent and all that? But validating someone's experience as real is a really important step of building trust again. Yeah. So I think 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 that's great. I think the, just a quick comment on that would be, like, trust everybody wants it but ultimately like how do we foster it and build it is what we do when trust is when there's a gap right so when i've broken trust do i address it proactively or do i wait to be confronted and then when i'm confronted am i super defensive and am i like dishonest like all of those little responses it's not it's not like yeah it's all about how we address when trust is broken is is how we can either rebuild or we can create bigger problems it seems like to me yeah well i think the thing with um you had mentioned this earlier in healthy relationships where there's not a, like a systemic problem of broken trust yeah. um, in, in relationships that are on the healthy journey, um, repaired trust can really go a long way. And um, I think there's an element of just being grateful when you have had that opportunity where um when something is, when their effort is made to repair it, you get re- relationship resiliency. And I yeah. think that is what people are looking for relationships that can withstand the things that come at us because it's yeah. not just this like relationship in a vacuum. Um, yeah. And so resiliency, I think, is one of the benefits of trust. Yeah, that's great. 
so yeah, as we kind of wrap um, the conversation, what what are what do you maybe want people to leave with, or what do you hope people walk away with? And it's okay if you don't have twelve of them, but maybe it's just a thought or two. <laughs> um, I think for me, the thing that I watch just... my octopus uh, teaching. That's the first <laughs> principle. <laughs> yes, all of my all of my talks recently recently have been about children's books, documentaries, yeah. shows, yeah. all the things yeah, that I'm doing. Good. Um, I really think you should watch it because it's just this really beautiful story about trust, an unlikely set of trust. Um, And, but besides that, I think for me, when I think about it, it's just the day in, day out showing up and what that does for a relationship. And can you show up, you know, I think about picking my daughter up from school Mm -hmm. and how she, um, every day when she comes out with all of her classmates, I am like, I have got to be there because if she comes out and she looks across the sea of parent faces, all of us in mass, so it's hard to see who we are. If I'm not there, it would be devastating for her. Um, that's just kind of her personality where my son would be like, I'm just going to run around until mom gets here. She would be absolutely. I'm going home with that family. (laughs) (laughs) She would absolutely be devastated. And so for me, like I've talked about this with Andy, I am there early every single day. Mm -hmm. So when she walks out of that classroom, she finds me, she sees me and I'm there. And that's what kind of stuck with me with this thing. It's just the day in, day out, proving that our relationship is valuable and resilient and I will be there for you. Um, And that's what I want in all of my relationships. And I think kind of what you said too, of I'm just really thinking about my responsibility in all of these relationships and trying hard to not focus on what did this person do or not do to earn this or not earn that. And um, I just, I don't want to spend my time about that. I just want to focus on, am I the type of person that is showing up every day in little ways um, to prove to someone that they're valuable, they're important to me, our relationship matters, and I want it to be a foundational thing that we can grow from. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think my, my takeaway is similar, my kind of summary would be similar, is that we all have our own part to play. Like, let's not wait for other people to lead with trust. Let's, let's take responsibility there. Um, I think in, in those two, you know, types of relationships, for, for some of us, I think we hear this maybe this discussion and we have to decide like, am I going to offer trust again or am I going to go towards the, the route of boundaries um, or continue on my path of suspicion? I think that's a very personal choice. I think hopefully for maybe my biggest encouragement would be for, for many of us, there's likely a relationship that has a foundation of trust that we are, that we still like could believe the best a little bit more regularly. I think it is a default for many of us to, um, when there's those gaps that get created daily, we often will not believe the best. We will um, lead with maybe a, a less than generous uh, interpretation of what's going on. And I think maybe one of my challenges would be to look for ways that we could be more generous um, in those relationships that do have some trust. Uh, but I think the biggest takeaway is that, that trust is really important um, and that it's really critical for, found- it's a foundational element of healthy relationships and that as Kind of, we're still building this community. Obviously, we're doing all of our content online right now. Um, but everybody who's a part of East Lake, 
one wants community and they want to have healthy relationships. And so maybe just today's discussion can be a reminder um, that trust is critical to every relationship as a reminder and that you play a part in that and that um, the more responsibility you can take for building trust in your relationships, the better your relationships will be. So I think it's kind of the, uh, maybe the note we can go off on. Thanks everybody for watching. Thanks for uh, listening throughout this series and for tuning in online. Um, and for just being people that are open to growing in your relationships, we certainly uh, are thankful for the chance uh, to share today. Thanks, Kristen, for being a part of the conversation. And uh, thanks for watching. Thank Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.